Come on. It's good to be in his house. Wow. I love Christmas. I got to tell you, I love Christmas. I really do. And you already know that this one is special. I got my train that goes around the tree. I mean, I, I've been playing with that thing. Uh, pray for my dog, though. That, that dog is like, hmm, can I go after that? And I'm like, you, you go after that, you might have a come to Jesus moment, or you might go see Jesus, so don't even think about it. <laughs> wow. And next Sunday, as my wife said, we're going to have a powerful service here at 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a time of worship, and then I'm going to share uh, not a pep talk, not a TED talk, but a God talk. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but your pastor can say in 10 minutes, what some preachers take an hour to say. I really can. I've been given time frames, and I say, I can do it. And, I can, and I'll spoon. I'm, God has gifted me that way. So I'm going to give you a God talk next Sunday, and we're going to wrap up the Prince of Peace, this series on the, a, a Christmas gift, a Christmas present wrapped in a person. Prince of Peace, is, I mean, I mean it's, going to be, it's going to be good. Say, it's going to be good. Yes. Now, I've asked those of you that are watching online to check in. And, and I saw you, Stephanie. You're, you're checking in from Fallbrook, California. Now, if you're checking in, and, and also if you're watching on YouTube, check in. Let me know where you're watching from. But if you're watching from Orange County, don't put OC, okay? Because I might think Orange Cove, okay? Uh, don't, don't, so put, put, put the city you're watching us from, if you would please do that. And just want to say thank you. Would you give it up to our online family as well that week after week is joining us? And as I shared last Sunday, uh, whether it's on the chat, you put your prayer request or you put it on our uh, streaming platform at 94000, whatever you choose to communicate to us your prayer request, know that we are praying. In fact, last night, my wife and I were praying again for a move of God and somebody had texted us right before we were going to pray to pray for their family that was battling uh, with sickness and we lifted them up before the Lord. So just know we we take those things seriously And I also saw that somebody already checked in. Let me see there. I think I think I see them They already signed up for next Sunday. They said uh, uh, Hold please for six and so we got six people already signed up for next Sunday, honey and that means We better get the right amount because I don't want people eating my pancakes. Okay <laughs> Well, let me Continue our series, A Christmas Present Wrapped in a Person. Let me begin by asking, how many of you are done with your Christmas shopping? If you're done, raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I mean, we are hurting here. You, y'all, y'all need prayer because it's going to be crazy this week. A lot of us still are not. Well, did you hear about the guy who went out and he bought his wife a beautiful diamond ring for Christmas? His friend said, I thought she wanted a new SUV. She did, he replied, but where am I going to find a fake Jeep? Now, let me, let me let you in on something. God, who has given us a Christmas gift wrapped in a person, hasn't given us a fake, counterfeit, knockoff, or cheap gift. He has given us the priceless, eternal, genuine, best gift 
wrapped in the person named Jesus. And as we've been noting throughout this series, 700 years before he was born in Bethlehem's manger, Isaiah prophesied of his coming. But Isaiah also related to the people the titles that he would wear, the titles that he would bear, each one significant and each one revealing what he would do. And we're looking at that in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I want to focus on the title, Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. It's from the Hebrew, Abiad. Abiad. It actually is a hyphenated word. And it means pretty much what you imagine it means. Abi, Father. It's the root from which we get the word abbot. For the chief father at a monastery, for example. Ad means everlasting or eternal or unceasing in duration. The child born in Bethlehem will be recognized as eternal. He has no beginning and he has no end. He existed before he came to earth and he will exist forever. People in Isaiah's day were living in shaky times. So they wanted something they could cling to. Let me ask you, are you living in a shaky time or shaky season at this moment? And people in shaky times want someone they can depend on. A father figure, if you will. Isaiah said first, the one who's coming is everlasting. In other words, he's eternal. He's always existed and always will. In 1994, two Americans answered an invitation from the Russian Department of Education to teach morals and ethics based on biblical principles in the public schools. They were invited to teach at prisons, businesses, the fire and police departments, and at a large orphanage. It was nearing the holiday season for the orphans to hear, for the first time, the traditional Christmas story. They told them about Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem and finding no room in the inn. The couple went to a stable where Jesus was born and placed in a manger. Throughout the story, the children, according to one of the Americans, sat in amazement as they listened. Some sat at the edges of their stools, trying to grasp every word. As a follow-up activity to the story, 
each child was given three small pieces of cardboard to make a crude manger. Each child was also given a small paper square cut from yellow napkins, which the children tore into strips the paper and carefully laid them in the manger for straw. Small squares of flannel from a thrown away nightgown were used for the baby's blanket. From pieces of tan felt, a doll-like baby was made. As they made their way around the room to observe the children, this is what one of the Americans noted. All went well until I got to one table where little Misha sat. He looked to be about six years old and had finished his project. As I looked at the little boy's manger, I was startled to see not one, but two babies in the manger. Quickly, I called for the translator to ask why the boy had two babies in the manger. The observer goes on to note, that Misha very accurately recalled the story that had been told until he came to the part where Mary put Jesus in the manger. Then Misha, it is noted, started to ad-lib. And he made up his own ending to the story as he said, And when Maria laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked me, If I had a place to stay, I told him, I have no mama and I have no papa, so I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me that I could stay with him. But I told him I couldn't because I didn't have a gift to give him like everybody else did. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much. So I thought about What I had that maybe I could use for a gift. I thought maybe if I kept him warm, that would be a good gift. So I asked Jesus, if I keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that will be the best gift anybody ever gave me. So I got into the manger, and then Jesus looked at me, and he told me I could stay with him for always. As little Misha finished his story, his eyes brimmed full of tears that splashed down his little cheeks. Putting his hand over his face, his head dropped to the table, and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and sobbed. The little boy had found someone who would never abandon or abuse him, someone who would stay with him for always. Jesus told his disciples before he returned to the Father, in Matthew 28, 20, he told them, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Always. That's a very important word because Always speaks of permanence continually. It communicates the ideas of being reliable, of being faithful, of being dependable. I want you to understand today that we serve the everlasting Father, Jesus. And everlasting means He is 
always. He's always present. He's always with you. And let me tell you something about our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father doesn't walk out on His children. Our Heavenly Father doesn't abuse His children. Our Heavenly Father has no throwaway babies. Our Heavenly Father takes in His adopted children and He is with them always. Always. David Gusick in the Blue Letter Bible points out, the Messiah is the everlasting Father. The idea in these Hebrew words is that Jesus is the source or author of all eternity. That He is a Creator Himself. It does not mean that Jesus is the person of the Father in the Trinity. Notice that. Again, David Gusick in the Blue Letter Bible says, The Messiah is the everlasting Father. And it means that He is the source or author of all eternity. Remember what we pointed out last week. John 1 points out, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then in John 1, 3, he says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus created all things. Before he was born in the manger, he was. (laughs) Before he was put into a stable, he created the very trees from which those that stable would be made. I'm talking about the one who always was and always is and always will be. The one who is faithful. The one who is dependable. The one who is able to create something out of nothing. He is everlasting father in the spirit filled life bible footnote bible teacher nathaniel van cleve states everlasting father expresses christ fatherly care the name is not in conflict with that of the first person of the trinity jesus said to philip and john 14:9 he who has seen me has seen the father He goes on to point out, everlasting can also mean everywhere present. He has the divine attributes of both eternity and omnipresence as he rules on the throne of David within the hearts of the redeemed. What we discover is that anyone who has seen Jesus has seen the Father. Because Jesus fully reveals God. And the only one who can fully reveal God is God. As the book of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews 1, verses 3 and 8. Hebrews 1, 3 and 8 says, The Son, speaking of Jesus, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Then verse 8 says, But about the Son, watch, God says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Everything about Him represents God 
exactly. In other words, there is nothing that is true about God that is not also true about Jesus. Isaiah calls the Messiah mighty God and everlasting Father. Matthew tells us that the baby born in the manger was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus identifies himself with God the Father. And God himself, here in Hebrews, as we've noted, in Hebrews 1.8, calls his son God. We could go on citing references throughout the Bible, but the bottom line is this. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is indisputably God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. He is God, period. Somebody said, well, so what? What does that matter to us? The people in this room who are either trying to follow Christ or perhaps considering whether to follow Him. What arguing over the fine points of theology? We want information we can use. Wisdom and knowledge that will help us just get through the day. Help us live worthwhile, productive, God-honoring lives. How does the deity of Christ help us do that? It affirms that Jesus truly is the one and only way to God. The gulf between the Creator and His creatures is so vast. The distance separating the infinite from the finite is so immense that only one, only one, only someone who is in his own person unites deity with humanity can truly unite God and man. Only one who is fully God and fully man can bring the two together both now and forever. Buddha can't do that. Confucius can't do that. Nor can philosophy or mysticism or new age spirituality or the god or goddesses of the Hindu pantheon. Nor can Muhammad bring God and man together because he was only a man and never claimed to be anything else. A prophet, yes, according to the Muslim religion, but still just a man. Only Jesus Christ himself combines divinity and humanity and can bridge the gap. So Oprah, no. There are not many ways to God. Women of the view, no. There are not many ways to God. There's only one way. Jesus was emphatic when he declared in John 14 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Peter, standing up, boldly declared in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved what are you saying pastor angel no other person no other religion no other philosophy no other way of living can bring us to God and save us from the penalty of our sin only Jesus can do that and so as we're searching 
for answers to life's problems, as we're seeking for wisdom, as we're looking for ways to be reconciled with the one who made us, there's only one place to go. And that's to Christ. That's to Christ. Now, Dr. Warren Wiersbe, he writes this. Dr. Warren Wiersbe penned these words, Everlasting Father does not suggest that the Son is also the Father, for each person in the Godhead is distinct or unique. Father of eternity would be a better translation. Among the Jews, he points out, the word Father means originator or author or source. For example, Satan is the father or originator of lies, John 8, 44. I love how Wearsby concludes. If you want anything eternal, you must get it from Jesus Christ. He is the father of eternity. Did you get that? If you want anything eternal, you must get it from Jesus Christ. He is the father of eternity. John, who I believe out of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John is the one who declares clearly that Jesus was more than a human. He was a God-man. He penned these words in his small epistle in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then in John 10, 9 and 10, it says, these are the words of Jesus. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Did you catch what Jesus said? I am the door. He didn't say I am a door. He said I am the door. I am the entry point into the kingdom of God. I am the entry point to all things eternal. You want peace that passes all understanding? You gotta go through the door. Jesus. You want joy unspeakable and full of glory? You gotta go through that door. Jesus. You want life and life more abundantly? You gotta go through the door. Jesus. Let me be clear today. I'm not gonna wishy-wash. I'm not gonna water down. I'm not gonna delight, dilute what the gospel says. There's only one way. His name is Jesus Christ. You don't get to heaven. You don't get to heaven because you come to CWC Life. You don't get to heaven because your mama and your papa come to church here. You don't get to heaven because one day you were dedicated at a church service. No. The only way you get to heaven is when you yourself walk through the door. Embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord. I want to be clear. Not everybody gets to heaven. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. There's only one way to heaven. Not Maybe all dogs get to heaven. I don't know. But I know this. Not Every person gets to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. He's the only one who died, was buried, rose again, lived a sinless life. He alone is the door. There's no other. And while I'm at it, 
When people died, they don't turn into angels. Now they're my angel. They're watching over. Please. I don't want my mama and daddy watching over me. I want God watching over me. The scripture is clear. Ooh, it got quiet. You offended me, Pastor. Good. Because I'd rather tell you the truth than lie to you. Too many people doing that nowadays, sharing foolishness. Oh, it got quiet again. But I love you too much. Pastor uh, Pastor Mark Reynolds said this and shared the following on a live stream. He said, I am neither a liberal theologian nor a feminist, believing that God is both father and mother to us. But many of the finest traits of motherhood we find in him who is the everlasting father. He goes on to share, Jesus, our everlasting father, uses the imagery of a mother Hen in describing his desire to care for the children of Jerusalem. In Matthew 23, 37, where we read these words. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I long to gather your children together as the hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. He continues by sharing this account. The forest fire had been brought under control. And the group of firefighters was working back through the devastation, making sure all the hot spots had been extinguished. As they marched across the blackened landscape between the wisps of smoke still rising from the smoldering remains, a large lump on the trail caught a firefighter's eye. As he got closer, he noticed it was the charred remains of a large bird that had burned nearly halfway through. Since birds can't fly, can fly so easily away from the approaching flames, the firefighter wondered what must have been wrong with this bird that it could not escape. Arriving at the carcass, he decided to kick it off the trail with his boot. As soon as he did, however, he was startled half to death by a flurry of activity under his feet. Four little birds flailed in the dust and ash, then scurried away down the hillside. The bulk of the mother's body had covered them from searing flames. Though the heat was enough to consume her, it allowed the babies to find safety underneath. In the face of the rising flames, she had stayed with her young. She was their only hope. For safety and willing to risk her own life, she gathered them under her body and covered them with herself. Even when the pain reached its most unbearable moment, when she could have easily have flown away to start another family on another day, she made herself stay through the raging flames. Her dead carcass. And her fleeing chicks told the story well well enough. She gave the ultimate sacrifice to save her young. CWC Life Family, our everlasting father, longs to gather us together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. 
but we must be willing to let him do so. He will protect. He will care for and he will keep us because he is forever faithful. And like the mother bird, he paid the ultimate price on the cross to save us from eternal destruction. I want you to understand today that Jesus Christ, as the everlasting Father, wants you to know, I will care for you as a father should. I will care for you as a father and defend you. I will care for you and protect you. I will care for you and supply for you. I will care for you and I will not walk out on you. I will be faithful always. I will be a permanent resident in your heart if you allow me to. I will be there for you no matter what. Carter Conlon says this concerning Christmas. Christmas, when the God who holds the universe in the palm of his hand comes to us as a baby that has to be carried. Though he has all power, he wraps himself in the frailty of our humanity. He is not offended by your struggle. Jesus loves you. This past week, I spoke with someone, not an attender of our church, who I felt needed to know that they are not alone in their struggle. They've experienced a challenging season for a few years now. And as I heard this person speak of dealing with this struggle all by themselves, I shared that the reason for my call was to let them know they're not alone in the fight. And the reason they're not alone in the fight is Jesus has come. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the everlasting Father who will always be found to be there when you need Him. I want you to understand this Christmas season... The reason I'm so passionate talking about Jesus and the titles that He bears and wears is because I know that for some, you're fighting a battle in this season that's making you feel hopeless and helpless. But I want to communicate to you what the Word reveals. You're not alone in the fight. You're not having to deal with this alone. Jesus is not going to abandon you. He's going to be with you in the flood. He's going to be with you in the fire. He's going to be with you when the devil's throwing everything, including the sink, the, the sink against you. But you're going to make it because Jesus is your defender. Jesus is your one who will be there always. Let me let you in on something regarding Jesus that I've learned. The one who is called the everlasting Father. He walks in when everybody else has walked out. Also, you may have walked away and gone astray. But the one who is the everlasting Father is also the good shepherd who will walk to you. And he will rescue you and restore you. The gospel is so simple. Here it is. He left his place. He came to our place. He took our place. He's coming back again 
to take us to his place. That's the gospel. Jesus left heaven. He came to earth. He took my place on the cross. And then he said to his disciples, I'm going to return to heaven. And if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Then Thomas said, but how do we know? How are we going to get there? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He is the everlasting Father who's made the way. Father, we thank you today. And Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Oh, you're the one who always has been, always is, and always will be. And for your children, you're always there. We may be alone, but we're not alone. You're there. We may be lonely, but we're not alone. You're there. And so, Father, I pray again for those that are in this season dealing with a struggle or dealing with a fight. And frankly, for some, it's resulted in weariness. And some have gone weary in their mind. And as a result, the adversary, the devil, has been planting seeds of doubt and trying to make them believe they're hopeless and helpless in the struggle and the fight that they're in. But today, through your word, you have shown us, no, that's not the truth. Your everlasting Father. You're there always. And you're there to show that you care. You're there to gather us as a mother hen gathers her chicks. You're there to shelter. You're there to preserve, to protect. No matter what's raging around us. psalmist said it in God alone is my salvation you're the rock of refuge you're the stronghold the fortress where there's safety no matter what assails against our lives And so, Father, I'm praying for those here in this building and those watching online that for them this is their season of struggle and they're in a fight, Lord. I'm asking that you would communicate now by the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit to them that you're there. And you're there to care. You're there to strengthen. You're there to sustain. You're there to shield. You're there. I'm going to ask if you're one of those that would say, Pastor Angel, truth be told, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I'm in a fight right now. And I need, 
the strength of the Lord. I need His help right now. I want to invite you to come forward to this front area. We call it the altar. And there's no shame here. I want you to know, I, I've often said, this is a no shame zone. In fact, our Father invites us, come boldly, He says, come boldly to His throne of grace. What for? So that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you know that's you, I'm in a fight right now, Pastor. I'm in a struggle, and I need God's mercy. I need His grace. I need His strength. I need His wisdom. Come right now. Don't wait on anybody. You come. This message was for you. God wants to confirm to you, you're not alone. You're not alone. He's going to walk with you. He's going to see you through. Even when others have said you're through, I want you to know He's going to see you through. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. If the song is sung, I'm inviting you and those of you watching online, just surrender right there where you're at. Wherever you're watching from, just surrender. Say, God, here I am. I need your strength. I'm in a fight. I need your strength. Come on. Lord, you see the 